0: Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium with your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Nguyen. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Now, we want to get our show's information and message out to more people, so please share, like, and tag your friends who you think would really enjoy this information. Uh, As a reminder, our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and syndicated on missionsradio.org and livelyplay.com. Please go to Parent Pump Radio to leave your questions, comments, and suggestions for future shows and subscribe to our RSS fee so you'll be automatically notified of new shows. And be sure to get my Amazon number one best-selling book called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. It's just 6 dollars on paperback and 2 dollars on Kindle. The link to purchase this book is in the show notes. Let's get on to our show today. Does Your Work Matter? Is your work resonating with its intended audience? Are you realizing your potential as a professional, and could you find more fulfillment and joy in and throughout your work? Whatever a professional enterprise you're engaging, there's always room for improvement. So you can develop your craft with greater intention, you can deliver work that matters to the right people, and you can have a significant impact. And of course, we all wanna leave a lasting legacy. How do we do all this, you may ask? Well, our guest today is going to help answer these questions. He's the author of the book, Creative on Purpose. He inspires and teaches creative people like you to achieve their potentials as artists in any professional endeavor in which you seek excellence. Adopting the posture of an artist requires intentionally developing your craft and delivering meaningful work to those that need it. With lessons drawn from ancient thinkers and modern influencers, he helps people master the mindset of a thriving artist and do work that matters. So cultivating your craft and sharing your work with purpose and integrity is challenging, but really it is rewarding. He's done this for over 30 years as a professional musician and teacher and experienced a sense of flourishing every step of the way. He's here today to help you do the same. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my friend Scott Perry. Hi, Scott.
1: Jacqueline, thanks so much for having me and for that beautiful introduction. I don't think there's anything left for me to add. You you just summed it it all up. I was getting all pumped up at the beginning of your intro and then I was like, well, what else is there to say? She's
0: well, you're going to have to help outcome. us. You got to <laughs> help us. That's the thing is, you know, you have the answer and we need the we need the help. And I think as parents and just, you know, as a working professional, we forget how creativity really enriches our lives. And when you're young, you're in art classes, you're coloring and doing all these things, and then you get into the workforce and all that's gone.
1: Yeah, it's well, it's and it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, right away, because I've been having this conversation with some some folks uh, earlier this morning, and it is amazing to me how the system, and I, you, whether it's the educational system or just American culture in general, um, certainly the way the industrial consumer economy was was established, it's really. All designed to strip us of this basic human instinct, which is the instinct to create, the instinct to engage in challenging work with a sense of curiosity and courage and playfulness. Part of my mission is to to bring that back. So, in, in a lot of ways, my work is based on two premises that come from my study of ancient philosophy. The first is that we are inherently social creatures, it's been proven scientifically that this is not only how we survived as a species in the days before we were, uh, when we were not the fastest, nor the strongest, nor the smartest, but also by coming together, we developed our capacity for language and that is what grew our brains. And that's what's allowed us to dominate the planet as the dominant species. In addition to that social capacity or that social instinct, we had this capacity for reason which you know sometimes looking around the world we may may wish that we would see it being employed more frequently but it is something that is uniquely human this idea to imagine this idea to apply rational thinking and reason to solving challenging problems and then for me the third piece which is not so much discussed directly in ancient philosophy but i think is spoken around is this idea of our creative capacity. If we can employ those three things in all of our life's endeavors, then we have a chance to achieve what the ancients used to call eudaimonia, this idea of flourishing and thriving as human beings, even when situations and circumstances are difficult.
0: Yeah, I think today's society, we tend to go more towards the left brain, logical, factual thinking. But there's this beautiful right side that has the creativity, the compassion, and all these things that enhances, that somehow our society has kind of pushed aside and not believed in it so much. Like intuition, what's that? Creativity, what's that? Where's the scientific proof on that?
1: Yeah. For me, I I have a very specific definition of creativity. And uh, creativity is simply the act of bringing something forth into the world that didn't exist until you brought it forth into the world. So this conversation is an act of creation between you and I. It's at the same time an improvisation. When I woke up this morning, I made myself a cup of coffee and I my wife just uh, made me a smoothie for, for lunch. I mean, these are acts of creation. They are things that didn't exist until a person brought it into existence. So that doesn't mean that every act of creation is um, something that's worth shouting about from the mountaintops or putting uh, up for sale on Etsy or, or Squarespace or what have you, but it is it, it does speak to this idea that we have this innate and instinctual, uh, an intuitive capacity to apply ourselves to solving interesting and sometimes challenging and difficult problems. And the reason why I feel that this is so important is when the polling shows that in the United States, Just 50% of people identify themselves as having creative abilities, as being creatives. Now, elsewhere in the world, the percentage is actually far lower, as low as in the 20s and 30% in some countries. This is really sad because our creative impulses is where a lot of uh, our ability to thrive and prosper in the truest sense of those words really comes from.
0: So what is work for then?
1: Interesting. So my full-time occupation is, is as a musician. I've been a See, a we're not all
0: that lucky. To
1: well, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think before you call me lucky, uh, <laughs> um, you should have a talk with my wife about the last 35 years and, and how okay. lucky felt, uh, along the way. I mean, I am an, I'm certainly, um, you know, while uh, we've never been wealthy and we've definitely struggled Um, at various points. I mean, I have been lucky in that as a musician, I've always earned enough day to day to be able to get up the next day and do it again. And what I, and the reason why I was talking about my full-time occupation or vocation is because you said that we all have to work, but see, I actually get to play for a living and I get paid for it because you don't work music, you play music. So I'm not trying to rub it, rub anything in. (laughs) Um, So, but yeah, so I think what is work for? That's a fantastic question. And I think that oftentimes we would apply practical elements to that question, right? Well, work is so that we can make money, so that we can buy food, so that we can provide shelter, so that we can pay for our children's college and put gas in the tank and blah, 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 blah. That is true on a very superficial level. But I think what work is really for When I use the word work, I think of it more in terms of art and craft and this and everything that we do parenting, playing the guitar, podcasting, blogging, being a receptionist, being a dentist, whatever it is. We are engaged in human activities that have human to human connections and that the meaning that comes from those is not something that's there that we that we go get through the work it's what we bring to the work that actually brings meaning and so things like purpose and things like passion and prosperity in the loose sense of the word not in terms of how much money you earn those are things that we can extract from any kind of meaningful endeavor, any kind of work we do, if we do it with a sense of, if we do it with the proper motivation, if we do it with intention and with a, a specific purpose, and keeping in mind the social context of it. You know, the, our work is a reflection of who we are, but it's also a reflection of, uh, reflects how we engage with other people. And our job, I think, is to enhance our lives for sure, but at the same time, While we are doing that, we have a social imperative to enhance the life of others.
0: So then let's go back to creativity. What is creativity for then?
1: So creativity, as I said, is just the act of bringing forth things into the world that didn't yet exist. So it can be uh, as mundane as a conversation or making a meal. And it can be obviously as aspirational as painting the Sistine Chapel or designing uh, computer software. I mean, there's all those are all creative enterprises. For me, in my book, Creative on Purpose, I am seeking to help creatives be more professional and help professionals be more creative. And uh, one of the concepts that I teach very early on in the book is that there is a difference between being a creative and being an artist. And so, as I've already said, we are all creatives. We all, every day, bring forth things into the world that didn't exist until we created them. But art is slightly is, is creativity with a caveat. And the caveat is art must be put on display. Art is for other people. Art is something that you do in public. Art is when you stand up uh, to be seen and speak up to be heard. And you put forth work that is intended to change people. And we're still on a spectrum here but all art is creative is creativity but all creativity is not necessarily art because if you're not doing it in public for others it's it's not yet art and then on the art end of the spectrum we obviously have a wide array of levels for me it all boils down to what's the motivation what's the intention what's the aspiration and what action are you taking
0: so you outline this in your book right
1: Yes. This is like chapter two or chapter one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think you've mentioned in our talk offline, something about purpose Mm -hmm. and passion. Is there a purpose for passion? Are they together? Is purpose more important than passion?
1: One of the things I do in my book, very intentionally, it is a book written on purpose, in addition to being written about purpose, is I present ideas as assertions, and I, I'm very specific about what that means. Assertions are truths that are told based on our experience and based on our observation. That doesn't mean that they're true in an ultimate sense, because assertions, by their very nature, are things that can be argued, and are argued when by people whose observations and experience are different. But I intentionally say uh, make things or say things in a way that is provocative, not to provoke an argument, because I I think it's possible to disagree without being disagreeable. I think it's possible to discuss things without being discursive. And assertions are very different than agendas. I'm not trying, I'm not saying that my way is the only way. I'm saying this is the way that works for me. Uh, It's an approach that I've shared with thousands of people, whether they are bandmates or students or friends or family or in the stage of my life, people that I'm working with in workshops or at, at speaking engagements and whatnot. And they are said with the the intention of shaking, shifting a perception or opening up a space where maybe we can apply a little bit more curiosity in the way that we're looking at things. So passion, to speak to your, your direct question, I am sick and death of hearing people talk about passion. And here's why.
0: because right, they say one, follow your passion and you'll make the money, Right. right?
1: And 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 you're talking to a guy that grew up. I wanted Joseph Campbell to be my dad. I loved Joseph Campbell. <laughs> okay. Follow your bliss, right? right? The hero's journey, all this stuff. I mean, I was, I, I still am a humongous fan. But one of the things that I've learned in my long dance with pursuing my passion as a musician is that number one, passion is very overrated. Passion is very misunderstood, and again. The science shows that 20% of people, only 20% of people can identify their passion. That means that 80% of the people on the planet are shamed into believing that there's something wrong with them because they can't identify their passion. And so, you know, so shame on the passion, on the passion promoters, I say, shame (laughs) on you. Um, So here's my assertion. Uh, and again, this is this, this might be chapter three or chapter four of the book, but um, giving you all the best stuff here, so no reason to, to go any further. Passion is, is not a very good reason to do anything because passion, number one, is a finite resource. Work worth doing, work that matters, worth work worth sharing, work that's going to transform other people is hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be rigorous. You are going to have to learn how to dance with failure, embrace failure. You're going to experience all sorts of missteps and misfortunes and obstacles and challenges. And if you think the passion can power you through that, you are sorely mistaken, which is why so many frustrated musicians, artists, and creatives come across as bitter, jaded, mean-spirited jerks because they went in with their passion and it wasn't enough, and life didn't work out exactly the way that they intended, the way that they had attached themselves to, what other reaction are we going to have? We're going to be embittered. We're going to be angry. We're going to be frustrated. Instead, if we go into our work with a clear purpose, if we go into our work with a clear idea of what our motivation is, especially if our motivation is generous and aligned with our values and not fame and fortune and all the other selfish things that sometimes, you know, we we see people going into creative endeavors for, um, if we go in with that proper motivation, if we go in with the intention of developing ourselves and enhancing our lives while at the same time enhancing and elevating the life, lives of others, then purpose is an engine and By relying on, and our purpose does have, if we have dialed in the motivation and the intention and the aspiration properly, and we apply ourselves strategically, then I think purpose can power us through all the challenges. Purpose, and we can experience thriving in the struggle. And here's what's really great. What results from that is passion, a sense of prosperity, a sense of um, confidence, and a greater sense of fulfillment and well-being um, because the work we're doing matters and it's meaningful and it's helpful to others. And so passion then becomes a renewable resource. We're working with purpose, passion as a result, and then we can we can go ahead and put some of that passion back into our work. And it becomes this kind of virtuous, you know, recycling cycle of passion into purpose, purpose into passion. That's my take on (laughs) on passion.
0: Okay. So I'm going to loop back then. How can we integrate creativity into purpose?
1: My book is broken up up into really kind of three parts. The first part is where I shoot my mouth off and make these provocative assertions just to try to see if I can create a, a little bit of a shift in a space where change can happen. So I want to change the way people think about what creativity is and what it means to be an artist that they realize they can be an artist in ever, any endeavor they apply themselves to parenting, receptionist, uh, computer programmer, what have you, we all have the ability to rise to a level of artistry in the work that we do. And then putting passion in its proper place and, and making the case for purpose. And then in the second part of the book, I actually have a, a, a three part exercise for identifying your creative purpose. And your creative purpose, in a nutshell, if you go to BeCreativeOnPurpose.com, it's illustrated in a beautiful Venn diagram, very easy to understand. Again, I'm giving away the, the, entire, <laughs> Thank the you. entire goodness of my book for free here. But um, the, the process is identify your values. And values are, I define them as guiding principles, yep. the things that you live your life right.
0: by. What makes you get up out of bed and what keeps you from getting out of bed?
1: Exactly. So you identify your values, your true values, and there's a process I put, I I, I use in, in the book. The process doesn't take very long, but it, it does have you circle back and brings other people into the 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 process because I think it's important that you get this as right as you can possibly get it. And we are I'm very good at tricking ourselves into believing that we are have values and talents that um, other people may not see in us. But so identify your values. Identify your talents. Now, talents are not the skills that you learned on the job or in school. These are your soft skills, your interpersonal skills, the things that you've been practicing going back to the beginning of our conversation, practicing since childhood. And then the third piece is to identify an audience of people who share your values And need your talents to solve a problem or enhance their lives in some way. And the intersection of those three circles, where those three things meet, is what I call your creative purpose. That is where you can identify the work that aligns with your core beliefs, your core talents, and where you can find a a core audience to serve, but also. Uh, A group from which you can draw collaborators, which I think is uh, another thing that's talked about in a later section of the book, is the importance of of team, uh, of, of bringing others into creative enterprises. You know, and that whole process is an act of creation. It's you are, again, creativity is what provides us with the ability to solve challenging and interesting questions. So creativity is extremely important. in in this whole process.
0: We talked earlier about how we, as we get older, we kind of lose this artist with an A, capital A, that you talked about. How can we bring back that posture of being an artist again? Do you have steps that you can show us?
1: So one of the things that I, I talk about in the book is this idea of developing new habits now. So I have some strong feelings about whether or not the system intends to rob us of our love for creative expression and creative enterprise. I think there's, um, I think it's interesting that art programs and music programs are the first things to be stripped from yes. our school systems. Uh, makes and me so mad. When, when they are scientifically proven to be the actual activities that provide us with skills and the, the psychic, spiritual, and physical strength to overcome the challenges that we face today. Political rant aside, and so there is no blaming or shaming about if you are feeling in a place where you feel like depleted from a creative um, point of view or artistic point of view, It's the system's been set up to make you feel that way. I think the quote is attributed to Einstein, even though he didn't say it, but um, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It, it all comes down to changing your habits and changing your habits is really hard. Again, there's, a, there's wonderful books about this subject. I talked about it recently with Michael Bungay-Stanier, who summarizes some of the best work on habit building in his book, The Coaching Habit. But it really comes down to set yourself up some one-minute micro goals. If you want to re-engage with your creative capacity, if you want to rekindle your creative fire, then before you turn on the computer, And start checking your email and making sure that you're picture perfect on social media. Take out a piece of paper and write yourself a a haiku. Write two words, two two sentences that rhyme. Doodle, you know, a picture. I mean, do... you Be a
0: kid again.
1: Exactly. Take one minute to do something that... Go into the kitchen and make something that you've never made before and eat it, right? Do something, just a one-minute micro habit that engages you to engage as your creative capacity. The, the the hardest, when I'm working with my guitar students and they they ask me about, you know, practicing, I, I say, uh, I tell them, you know, the hardest part about practicing every day is sitting down to practice because we live in a world that is really built to keep us distracted and keep us away from the the important things. And we are very good at talking yourselves out of doing things that are actually very good for us eating healthy exercising create creating so the idea is you put you, you by creating this one minute micro habit you put yourself in a you you do the hard part first which is sit down and take a couple of deep breaths and do something that's going to enhance your life now once you've sat down you've got Inertia working for you at that point, right? Now you're sitting down. Now it's going to actually take more effort to get up and 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 uh, go do something that's that's not creative or, or or not as healthy. So if you if you get to the if you do something for one minute, the chances that you're going to do it for a second minute are dramatically enhanced. All you need to do is set up that thing that will get you. Uh, doing something creative for one minute.
0: For me, I know it's always hardest to get started on something. Once I get started, I'm immersed in it. I just keep going.
1: Yeah. You know, the resistance, Steve Pressfield talks about it in his book, The War of Arts, a wonderful book that everybody should read. The resistance is strong and the resistance never goes away. And you can, you know, some of us call, know the resistance as procrastination. Some of us know it as fear or writer's block or whatever. All it really is, is, are that our inner critic trying to keep us safe by keeping us humble and hiding because we are programmed as human beings to not stand out, to be a part of a tribe and to keep a low profile and keep your head down and just do what you're told. Even though the world is very different now than it was uh, when this served our evolutionary imperative, it's uh, it's still there and it's not going anywhere. So you have to start to, you know, the, the one minute exercise is a trick. It's a way of tricking the amygdala into not watching for a minute while you do something that's going to help you. And so I speak about fear in the beginning part of the book, but the the idea is to reframe fear and resistance. Fear is oftentimes a compass. When you feel resistance, when you feel fear coming on because you're about to do something that you've never done before or something that It's usually an indication that what you're about to do is significant, important, matters to you, and is exactly the thing that you should be doing.
0: Absolutely. It's probably aligned with your purpose. That's why you're so scared.
1: Exactly. So, you know, you have to develop a new posture. And I think it's just important to remember that the failures... Any creative fa- failure that that you experience is not going to be fatal. It is the quickest way to learn and get better at your craft, whatever that is, whether it's making a sandwich or making or, or, or playing Mozart, you know, the more the more you fail, the closer you are to getting successful and better at whatever you endeavor to do. And so failure in a way becomes your friend. I mean, it doesn't mean that you like... Uh, I think Elizabeth Gilbert is the one that says, you know, d- just because fear's coming along for the ride doesn't mean that you let it sit in the front and fiddle with the radio, you know, make it sit in the back, tell it to shut up and uh, <laughs> tell it to keep your, its hands off your radio, but it's going to be there. So you might as well. And so you can instead, you know, Seth Godin has this exercise where he talks about thanking fear like, Oh fear. You're here. Yep. Fantastic. Thank you so much for showing up. Now I know that this is what I need to do. And thank you for showing that to me. Thank you for reading.
0: Well, they say fear and excitement is very close in the physiology wise. It's still that same stomach nervous, thinking about going on a roller coaster that you love and doing something that you're afraid of. So you're right in saying that that's probably something you should be doing. So we have a couple minutes left and I wanna talk a little bit about your book and you're giving the listener a giveaway, a free giveaway, a preview. Can you tell just a little bit about the free preview?
1: So yeah, I actually call it a handbook. It is on the shorter side. It's about 60, 65 pages long. Although it is short, it's very dense, as I've already shared, there's some concepts in there that are intended to be provocative and make you think deeply about some big ideas and to challenge you to take a position of more curiosity and courage and applying your creative capacity. It's very important to me that people And the book is $10 on Amazon, which most people would say is is expensive for a a book of that length. And, And it's intentionally priced that way because I think it's also important that people invest and investing in themselves, putting skin in the game, having skin in the game, having a dog in the fight means that you are probably going to pay a little bit more attention and do the work. The preview of the book is literally like somewhere between a third and a half of the book. I want people to. Just to, to take a really good long look at what's on offer. And if it's for them, of course, I encourage them to go ahead and and support my work by purchasing the, the whole ebook. There's also a free offering on the site that people can just because we were just talking about fear. I have an exercise, a, uh, literally a five second exercise that I teach in this uh, little PDF. Uh, that's called, Isn't That Interesting? And it's just, a, it's just a, a, a little exercise to keep top of mind when you come across a situation or circumstance that causes you to uh, have that deer in the headlights moment.
0: So where's that exercise? it On becreativeonpurpose.com?
1: Yeah, becreativeonpurpose.com is where you can get the free preview. You, the, the exercise is actually a part of the free preview because it, it comes from a book.
0: So all of the information listeners in the show notes, we have the website, be creative on purpose. Scott's email address, phone number, Amazon author page, and even the link to the giveaway—the free preview of Creative on Purpose—and of course, you can follow Scott on Facebook and LinkedIn. All of that's in the show notes. Thank you so much for getting us connected to our creativity, and we're starting the morning right here today.
1: I want to take a, just a minute. Number one, to thank you for for having me, obviously, and for your listeners for tuning in, but. Just thank you for the work that you're doing. You and I met through our mutual friend, Robert Zeitlin, and I've since been paying attention to what you've been doing and the work that you're doing really matters. It is changing people and it's helping make the world a better place so thank you so much for the work that you do
0: thank you thank you and thank you for you too because sometimes we forget as parents about creativity and purpose and you know and even passion because you're so busy just doing the day to day thing and it takes someone like you to come on and kind of jolt us and say let's step back here and really understand why we're here and why we are parents and what our purpose is as a parent.
1: Yeah. Well, if your purpose is not to be perfect. I promise you that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, our children yes. will make sure that. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much. And I appreciate you being on the show. And listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.